0: Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix.
1: It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Turner Yell makes the stop in the secondary for Denver. First and 10, the fake. Good block in there, and down it goes, caught at the 40, this is the dynamic
2: here, he's in for six, Tyree Hill,
1: touchdown!
2: The Dolphins are in that company.
1: That's regular season, second down and two, A-Chain, big hole, turns it out, accelerating, you can kiss him goodbye, 69 points! a 67-yard touchdown run by A-Chain. His second rushing touchdown and his fourth today.
2: Hartman going to the air.
1: Looking end zone. Wide open. Touchdown, Irish. Rico Flores. What a beautiful concept.
0: A third down and three. Design
2: run for Leonard. And he's able to break a tackle. Again.
1: to Walker Christian bidding for one more backs up sheets backing up to the wall and it's gone Christian Walker tacks on two more he's knocked in six and it's 11 to four Andrews tried to check offered at that curveball and goes down swinging It's oh. four strikeouts for Ryan Nelson Starting to get more swing and miss
2: first down and the 30-yard line. Can Sanders and the Buffaloes pay it off? Here's Sanders looking. Sanders winding up. He's got him in.
1: Touchdown.
2: Tarvaris Dawson. 30 yards. One ball, two strikes on Rojas. Bednar ready the pitch. Swing a ground ball.
1: Up the middle. It's a base hit. Sawinski coming on. He fields. Pate coming home. The throw. It's not in time. And the Phillies walk him off and walk into the postseason as Johan Rojas, the rookie, has won it.
0: Yeah. A celebration
1: in center field as Johan Rojas with a game-winning hit. And the Phillies... Are going to the postseason for the second straight year. Dial 602 260 1060. That's 602 260 1060. Or tweet the show at kdusam AM 1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on kdusam AM 1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, September 27th edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. Before we get rolling today, 101 years ago today, my father was born. Uh, he passed in 2007. I still think of him at least once per day. He would have been very proud on Saturday night when his alma mater, The Ohio State University, Beat Notre Dame in South Bend. So happy birthday, Dad! All right, in today's sports zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD two one hundred point seven. The Dolphins are they the best team in the NFL? Duke Notre Dame. Who you got? ETS on Saturday night. The Diamondbacks should Ryan Nelson be the third starter in the postseason? Meanwhile, Colorado. Will Dion's team actually qualify for a bowl game? The tune has changed here a little in the last week or so. Uh, the Phillies, are they the uh, biggest threat to the Braves? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday and moments we have the introduction of today's pipeline. At uh, 9.15, we'll talk a little some Duke football in some shape or form. Uh, we had a guest uh, previously scheduled, and he had to just postpone it a few minutes ago. Lots going on in Durham these days, heading into the big game against Notre Dame on Saturday night. So we'll have some Duke football discussion in the next segment one way or the other. Meanwhile, 9.30 Interactive Action, 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. That will include uh, uh, the Diamondbacks' offense goes wild, led by Christian Walker. Last night at Chicago on the South Side against the lowly White Sox, then the final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup. That'll be topped by uh, from the MLB scoreboard. Well, have a little more we'll have some MLB scoreboard in our wild card version uh, during the local roundup. But what we uh, don't cover in the uh, local roundup, we'll cover in the national roundup for the rest of the MLB scoreboard as the season winding down, the regular season winding down in major league baseball then after the sports zone from 10 to noon it's the extra point hosted by kayla that will include more phone call time at 602-260-1060 right now onto the pipeline we go
2: time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion
1: and we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is Are the Dolphins the best team in the NFL? And Kayla is here and she offers the early returns here. That I do. 80% out on front on the no side of things and 20% on the yes side. Miami, after three weeks, leads the NFL in points scored. They lead the NFL in total offense. However, uh, I think few seem to remember the Dolphins actually started three and zero last season. Not with these kind of gaudy numbers, but they were three and zero oh last season also. Today's Twitter poll question: Who you got Saturday at Duke? Notre Dame laying five and a half or Duke plus five and a half? And Kayla, what's happening here? We are in a 50-50 split between Notre Dame and Duke. Ooh. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The uh, this is kind of the uh, this game is the Mike Elko Bowl. Uh, the current Duke head coach was previously the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Uh, how good is Duke? Will Notre Dame have anything left in the tank after the heartbreaking loss on Saturday night in South Bend to the Ohio State University? Meanwhile, on the local front, Ryan Nelson saved the Diamondbacks. Sure, the Diamondbacks you know scored the last 14 runs in last night's 15 to four victory over the White Sox but the pitching staff was saved possibly for the rest of the regular season by Nelson, who hurled four and two-thirds shutout innings in relief after Zach Davies was really bad again. Should Ryan Nelson be the Diamondbacks' third starting pitcher in the postseason? I guess I'm assuming they're going to get to the postseason. Meanwhile, Spain the Globe, Colorado has dominated the college football headlines for the most, really throughout much of this month, one way or the other. Uh, Many of the national media that were touting Dion's season, uh, Dion's team, I should say, the first three weeks of the season, they're now asking, some of the same people are now asking whether the Buffaloes will reach a bowl game. You have to have six wins to reach a bowl game. Six or more, obviously. Uh, Does Colorado get six wins to qualify for a bowl game? The remaining schedule are home games against USC on Saturday, then later Stanford, Oregon State, and Arizona, and they have road games at Arizona State, UCLA, Washington State, and Utah. Do they get six wins out of that? They need three more. Meanwhile, the Phillies and Brewers clinched playoff bursts last night. Philadelphia – is in for a second consecutive season, while the Brewers, the Brewers <laughs> won the NL Central for the third time in six seasons with uh, former Diamondback player Craig Council, who I think is one of the uh, two best managers in Major League Baseball these days, along with uh, Alex Corr in Boston. Who's the biggest threat to the Braves in the National League? Many believe it is Philadelphia. I believe it's actually Milwaukee, but who do you think is the biggest threat in the National League to the mighty Braves? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show all the way back to Tuesday? All right, that's the pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 260 1060. Or you can tweet the show at kdusam1060 or twitter.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. up next Corey. we'll have a news update that'll be followed by my uh, first ever i think duke football segment uh we were scheduled to have a guest but uh the guest had to postpone literally like five minutes before the show started that's fine i'm sure there's a lot going on in uh durham and uh with the you know among other things college game day coming to durham for the first time ever for football i mean they've had you know college game day exists in basketball They've been there a whole lot for basketball but not for football. Uh, but we'll uh, have some disc- some duke discussion in the next segment, so stay tuned for that. I'm going to stay tuned for that myself. Once again, uh, at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time and general discussion, 602-260-1060. I'm guessing there'll be more phone call time than usual. 602-260-1060 also some local roundup Top by the Christian Walker-Ryan Nelson show last night at Chicago. You listen to the sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2. Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa?
0: Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS
1: AM 1060
0: skill and enable. Hi, then say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day.
1: Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLux HD2 100.7, your home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. A little blue sky action here from the Allman Brothers Band. Speaking of blue, Duke Football. And 35 years as either a national syndicated talk show host or a local talk show host, I think this is my first segment on Duke Football. Uh, how about that? Out to the KDUS hotline. We're now joining the Sports Zone by Brett Freelander of SaturdayRoad.com. And, Brett, uh, thanks for jumping on with us at late notice here. Uh, but uh, Duke last year, 9-4 and four, uh, under first-year head coach Mike Elko. This season, the Blue Devils, 4-0, and zero, all four wins by at least 20 points. What has impressed you the most with uh, Elko's first 17 games as a Duke head coach?
2: Well, first of all, you are not the only one who is talking about Duke football for the first time in about four decades. So uh, you're, you're in a very large club there. Uh, yeah. The thing that, that's, um, that's really kind of impressed me and really just surprised me, how quickly he's been able to, to, to get this thing done. He's been a very effective defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Lake Forest. And and so he's got the chops to to do this, but the fact that he's done it four games into year two uh, is the amazing thing. You know, last year they won nine games, but only two of those wins came against Power Five programs. Excuse me, not even Power Five uh, FBS programs with winning records. So they kind of, you know, you could explain away the success by saying they did it against a weak schedule, And, and that was the narrative going into this year that Duke is going to be. Just as good, if not better, because they have so many players back. Uh, but they may not be as good record-wise because they're playing a big-boy schedule. Well, what do they do? Mm-hmm. Opening night, they go out and beat Clemson 28-7. to So, you know, I think that pretty much, you know, uh, they, uh, caught everybody's attention. And now College Game Day is in Durham. Uh, they're playing a Notre Dame team as a ranked team. I think it's the first time, since, like 1997, I saw that, um, that Duke is, play, is playing a ranked opponent as a ranked team. Uh, and so this is it. I mean, you, you wanted to be in the big time, boys. Here it is. Now
1: uh, here's your shot. Duke won some games uh, last year. And, uh, you know, they actually won some games. Going back to the David Cutcliffe era, they won some games here and there and some, you know, big games or, you know, games that got your attention. But most of those games were because of offense. Uh, how has Elko quickly turned the Blue Devils into a more physical approach and team in just a short period of time?
2: Well, he he's brought in guys off the transfer portal who are who are big and physical, and and you hit it right on the head. Uh, you know when they played Clemson the, uh, in the in the opening game, the, the the thought process was, yeah, they've got a lot of good. Skill guys, but they're just going to get manhandled on the line of scrimmage, and they didn't on either side. I mean, they've got two offensive linemen who are probably going to be NFL draft picks, including one uh, who who might be a a first-round pick. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, defensively, they've got guys like Dwayne Carter, who's now in his sixth year. Uh, He had a and score last week against um, uh, UConn. Uh, They've got experience, and they've got size. And and through these portals, He's brought in a couple of guys off the um, off the portal from the, the uh, secondary that's really improved their pass defense as well. Al Blades Jr. from Miami is, is one of them, um, and and he's he just instilled kind of a, a just a, a, a blue collar attitude, you know, there. And it's, you know, it's a blue bud blood, blood school when you think about uh, Duke basketball, but really they're just a, a, a down to earth, physical, you know, no nonsense team, and they've got a lot of talent and they've got a lot of experience.
1: He had 15 rushing touchdowns in four games. That, that's an enormous amount in a short period of time to start the season.
2: Yeah, and and especially since their quarterback Riley Leonard uh, threw for 20 yeah. touchdowns last year, and you know if they get into a situation where they have to you know have to throw the ball, he can. But right now they're just running the ball down people's throats, so you know there's really not a, a, a need for him to put up huge numbers off uh, uh, in the air.
1: Yeah, I'm getting to Leonard. In fact, I was going to get to Leonard next, so let's do it right now. He's a really good quarterback. We've actually played the audio of that long touchdown run against Clemson in our highlight package to begin today's show at the top of this hour. How has Leonard improved this much as a quarterback over his time there?
2: Well, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere last year. He didn't win the starting job um, until right before the first game. and In fact, the guy who was his, Competition. Jordan Moore uh, has uh, it it was switched to wide receiver and one of their best receivers. Uh, And that's another thing that Elko did. Uh, You know, he he took his best athletes, took his best players, and he made sure they were on the field Uh, rather than having your backup quarterback stand there with a clipboard. He put them out on the field where he could use them. Uh, But um, but but he has grown in confidence. Uh, I think the fact that he has really kind of developed as a dual threat kind of guy. Uh, when he first started, he was a, looked at as a, as a, as a really uh, good passer, uh, and he has added that, as you said, the running element. to having scored four touchdowns on the ground. He's only got two touchdown passes in the air. So uh, I, I think that's the biggest improvement, and uh, it, it's really kind of added an element to that offense that has made it really kind of difficult to defend.
1: Okay, the you mentioned the Clemson win; and they beat them twenty-eight to seven to begin the season. That was on the nation national stage, you know, Monday night standalone game. Uh, at the time, that was obviously a surprising margin of victory. What else most surprised you about that victory?
2: I just thought that the way that they defended, uh, and again, the way they stood up physically to Clemson, which to me bodes well against Notre Dame, because the the, the narrative this week again is that okay. Yeah, good team, and, and you know maybe Clemson's down a little bit, but they just don't have enough physically to, to, to compete on the line of scrimmage against big and, you know, and tough Notre Dame, and, and I think that's a fallacy. I, I think that they are maybe not as physical, not as big, but I think that they're close enough where they're going to be able to hold their own and be able to run the ball and, uh, and, and, and keep Notre Dame from really gouging them on the ground. I think that's where Notre Dame is going to try to beat them because, listen, they played Sam Hartman last year when, when he was uh, when he was at Wake Forest, and they beat him, and I believe yep. they intercepted him twice. So, uh, you know, they're not going to be afraid of that passing game, although it's, it is a different offense than the one they faced with Wake Forest. But uh, I, I think that, you know, SMA, SM, however you pronounce their <laughs> uh, Notre Dame's top running back, he's a low but uh, right. I, I think that uh, you know that's going to be the difference. If they can if they can stop him or at least contain him, they got a shot at keeping the score down low enough that they can they can win
1: that game. Talking with uh, Brett Freelander of uh, SaturdayRoad.com, currently in the Sports Zone, talking some Duke football here. Uh, we talked you. Know, you mentioned the defense; they've allowed just eight points per game, albeit other than Clemson, uh, got uh, some offenses aren't exactly uh, lighting it up. No. Uh, so so what can we kind of uh, – are there a couple of things we should look for early in this game that uh, defensively for uh, for from Duke that would give us an idea of how this game might go on Saturday night?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, yes, the last three games they've played have not been against the best competition. But I think the impressive thing is that Duke has not had a letdown. They have not, you know, kind of gotten into a trap game situation. They've, mm-hmm. they've taken care of business. So I think that's a, a good sign. But I think the thing to, to look for early in this game is – how effectively they run, and how effectively uh, Notre Dame is able to run, because I think that will kind of give you an idea as to how the difference physically up front is is going to play out. Um, if, if if there are holes that uh, that that, that uh, uh, Duke is able to run the ball. Now they don't have to run it, you know, like crazy, but enough to be able to you know to be effective and to, to give. Uh, Riley Leonard, the opportunity to throw the ball without being under constant pressure because Notre Dame knows that they have to throw. I I think that would be a big sign. And, you know, does Notre Dame, uh, you know, get big dashing games uh, on the ground? Uh, If if neither of those things happen, you know, if if, if Duke is able to run semi effectively early and, and Notre Dame does not have a lot of success early on the ground, I think that's a really good sign for Duke. And that's something to watch because. Uh, I think if Notre Dame can run the ball early, that's
1: not a good sign for, for Duke. Okay, so let's flip this to the other side. We have the Sam Hartman factor, as you mentioned. Yeah, you know, at Wake Forest, of course, for the last twelve years before this year, <laughs> um, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, 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 it was thirty-four, thirty-one. So you know they put up some numbers. Uh, Wake Forest did against Duke in that season, uh, regular season finale last year. But do you think that the the Hartman Factor here, quote-unquote, or lack of a better term for me. Uh, does that play a role on Saturday night you know, against in the game uh, in Durham this week?
2: I think it has to. It, it's not going to play as big a part because the, the style of offense that Notre Dame plays is, is just totally different from that flow mesh RPO uh, uh, offense that Hartman ran at Wake Forest. But I think they know his tendencies. They know – uh, you know, where he likes to go on the field when he gets into trouble and, you know, when he likes to pull it down and run. And then the other thing is, you know, everybody, the, you know, the narrative about Sam Hartman is that he's cool under pressure. And for the most part, he is. But last week against Ohio State, late in that game in the third quarter, when yep. things started getting away from them, I, I thought he showed some signs of, of, of panic. And, you know, last year against Louisville, uh, he threw two pick-sixes in the third quarter when they got behind and he tried to do too much. So if they can rattle him and put some pressure on him, um, uh, they feel like that they can turn him over. So I I think there is something to be said for it, but because the the offensive scheme is so different, uh, it's not a huge advantage.
1: Yeah, I'll add one other thing about that game from last Saturday night. That last drive, uh, you know, a couple of not the best throws of his career. Also, some really questionable play calling by Notre Dame in the well, final say offensive drive. Well, cool
2: about that game is, is yeah. that you know when when you look at Mike Elko and his staff and compare them to to to, uh, to, to Freeman and his staff. Um, there's no excuse first of all on, on third and 19 there's no excuse for giving up a pass to the one yard line that's number one
1: right and number two is
2: how how do you get caught with 10 guys on the field for the one play that's going to determine the outcome of the game and, and I just kind of feel like um that, that there are there are areas there when it comes to organization when it comes to preparedness when it comes to coaching that are exploitable uh and and I think that uh, that uh, that Duke is the more disciplined team. Duke is the more, uh, I I think, fundamentally sound team. So uh, there are are areas there that they can possibly exploit.
1: Yeah, they actually had 10 men on the field the last two plays of that game against Ohio State. Um, Okay, got college game day, football version. Uh, Is it Duke for the first time ever? They've been there plenty of times for basketball, the basketball version of college game day. How do you think is, uh, what's the atmosphere going to be like? And you know, I'm sure that they're already gearing up a little bit. They, You know, for basketball, they have the, uh, you know, the tents outside for the Cameron indoor crazies and all that. <laughs> but uh, I'm guessing this is going to be pretty wild. And uh, maybe, you know, by the time game day, um, you know, the, the crew is there like on a Friday and they do like. They just, a,
2: they a just whole... rolled into town this afternoon, actually, yeah.
1: Okay, so like, you know, the entire Friday ESPN programming usually comes from the site of game day. So this has got to be wild, right?
2: You would think so. I'm I'm expecting a pretty wild uh, uh, scene. Uh, their their student section has been full, uh, the couple of home games that they've played. But it's, I'm kind of a little bit interested in seeing exactly how wild it's going to be and what the atmosphere is going to be like. Because that Clemson game, they, I would say – at least a third of the stands were filled with orange, and Notre yeah. Dame, you know, they're subway alumni. They they travel and, and <laughs> they've got fans everywhere. And so, I would imagine there's going to be a very large contingent of Notre Dame fans in that stand uh, that stadium as well. So it'll be interesting to see the 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 dynamic of the crowd there for uh, for game day and how that plays out. Uh, but it should be a pretty great atmosphere. And I think the fact that that Duke played that standalone Labor Day game against Clemson is going to help them prepare for this because there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of attention a lot of distraction off the field but they've been through this a little bit already not quite the way it's going to be with game day but they've kind of experienced this already once this season And I think that's going to help them to not get caught up just kind of being you know looking around and, and patting themselves on the back and, and, and feeling like they've arrived until they actually play the game.
1: Okay, one final storyline here is Elko obviously was previously – his previous gig was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. That's only three seasons ago. Uh, He's got to be familiar, obviously, with some of the Notre Dame personnel. They've had a lot of transfers and so forth since. But how much does that factor in on Saturday? I think it does factor in. Um, And uh,
2: just knowing – the way Notre Dame goes about things, and I, I just—it's it, it, any kind of inside information, any kind of intel that you can get is always helpful. So I think it definitely, again, I same with the Sam Hartman situation. I don't think it's going to be a game-breaking kind of advantage, but it can't hurt.
1: All right, Notre Dame is a five-point favorite, so you know Duke's a four-and-a-half-point home underdog. Does they do they win the game? If not, do they cover the five and a half?
2: Ooh, wow, that's a really good question. I, I, I let's put it this way: <laughs> I think it's going to be a really close game for three quarters, and I think it's going to come down to whether Duke can turn over Notre Dame or not. Uh, I think they. Uh, I think Notre Dame wins this game. Um, I think that Duke has got a shot of, uh, of covering unless they give up a late touchdown, that, you know, one of those backdoor kind of covers.
1: All right, good stuff, Brett. I appreciate you jumping on board with this last second. Thank you very much. Anytime. Anytime. Brett Freelander of SaturdayRoad.com, and he literally just jumped on in a couple of minutes before we got going. So thank you very much, Brett. And uh, good stuff. I've done my first, I'm pretty sure, not even in the Spurrier era did I do a Duke football segment that I remember. And I would remember such a thing. So there you go. So now have, you know, it's like the, the bucket list or something for our college football coverage during the, the sports zone and my other jobs across the planet. Uh, we've covered Duke football. Yoo-hoo. All right. First segment, first time that game day's been at uh, you know. Duke for football, too. So we were all covering our bucket list. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also the local roundup. We'll get into the Diamondbacks a little bit from last night, time pending. A little around the wild card situation in the National League, which was pretty wild last night. Not so good for the Cubs. Really not good for the Cubs. Really bad for the Cubs. Sorry. Um, I'm pulling for the Cubs. I think the Cubs in the playoffs would be very fun, but they need to get in here. Uh, and the Reds played a wild game uh, against the Guardians last night, not what you would expect, at least from the Guardians. Uh, so we'll get into as much of that as humanly possible in the next segment. You're listening to Sports SportsZone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7.
0: Candy caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060.
2: It's time for today's local roundup.
1: Quarterback to the sports Center, Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. HD 2100.7. In addition to the local roundup it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. Get your phone calls in just a second. First up, the Diamondbacks won last night behind the bat of Christian Walker and the right arm of Ryan Nelson. Walker homered twice, drove in six runs. Uh, The Diamondbacks added to their wild card uh, lead, uh, at least for the second spot, with a 15-4 victory over the lowly Chicago White Sox. Uh, Cattell Marte also added his 25th home run in this game. Uh, Walker, though, he was the man. Uh, He now has... 101 runs batted in in the season. He's hit home runs 32 and 33. First time uh, he has gone 3,100 in his career. And, uh, you know, that Paul Goldschmidt guy, he was good. Walker's pretty good, too. And they're both really good fielders, so that's worked out incredibly well at first base for the Diamondbacks after the Goldschmidt trade to St. Louis. Uh, meanwhile, Walker had a solo shot in the second inning last night. Then he had a, a, a two-run uh, drive in uh, the sixth inning. He had a tr- three-run triple in between. Uh, the fourth multi-homer game of the season for Walker was last night. Ryan Nelson was the MVP, not just for last night, but possibly for the rest of the week. Uh, the Diamondbacks, you know, they've got a bunch of, do- bunch of games here and their must-win situations to some extent. Uh, Pretty close to that with the wild card situation. But Zach Davies was once again awful. He was gone after three innings. Uh, He gave up three runs in the first, another one in the second. He gave up eight hits in those three innings. So Nelson, who was supposed to start this morning uh, in the second game of this series, which may be rain-delayed, at least at last look, it's going to be rain-delayed most likely. Uh, But anyway, Nelson came out of the bullpen he pitched four and two-thirds innings of shutout ball in relief of Daisy, Davies and really saved the bullpen because uh, they're going to need that bullpen in the next uh, four, five days, five days, five days before the end of the regular season. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five days before the end of the regular season. Okay, so Arizona's now 83 and 74. They moved one game ahead of the Cubs for the second of the, NL, the second of the three NL wild cards. Uh, the Cubs you know, blew a six-run lead last night and lost on an uh, outfield fielding gaffe. They lose 7-6 to six at Atlanta. By the way, the White Sox, uh, good news for the Diamondbacks here, Luis Robert Jr., who by far is the White Sox' best player. He was placed on a 10-day injured list yesterday. His uh, season is over. Uh, today, uh, weather pending, uh, it's uh, Brandon Fott. Two and nine with a six oh eight or run average. He's given up twenty home runs in eighty innings this season, and he's pitching in a ballpark that is tiff, tough to not give up home runs. So hopefully he'll survive. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt and Phoenix, I'm at.
0: Bob, how you doing? I'm good. Good. I wanted to piggyback on baseball for a second. Did you see this uh, Josh Ader thing? I did not. Uh, apparently he refused to come in a game, uh, in the, that
1: that happened. That's not the first time this has happened this year, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah, this has happened at least twice that I'm aware of. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about that. He made his major league debut here against the diamondbacks. I was actually at that game several years ago. Yeah. Josh is all about Josh. And I think that, uh, that's one of the reasons that you know when all that stuff was going on with the Brewers last year, there yep. didn't seem to be a whole lot of people that were all that pissed off that he left Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he gets on the open market. I'm, I think this is a contract year for him. Um, it is. Willing to go term on him, yeah. which uh, I wouldn't touch with a ten-foot pole.
1: I wouldn't either, but there only takes one team.
0: Yeah, absolutely, without question. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about college football. I, you know, normally I would think this is a really, really bad spot for Notre Dame uh, off the crushing yeah. last last play loss. But does the game day uh, atmosphere make it a, a little bit less likely they come out flat?
1: Maybe. Um, you know, they're used to game day. They were there last week in South Bend. True. So it's not like it's uh, if you haven't seen these dudes before. Uh, there are Notre Dame's that they're. Next three games are really interesting. They play at Duke. They yep. play at Louisville, which has yep. been really, I think, better than expected with uh, Jeff and Brom's then, first year. Then they host then USC. Then host
0: USC. Yeah. yeah. I actually think next week's the flat spot, if there's anyone.
1: Agreed with that. Uh, so. they, uh, it'd be interesting to see how they react, though, uh, to what happened on Saturday night against Ohio State. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. They've won 29 consecutive games in the regular season against ACC teams. Wow! Okay. Uh, so they've dominated the conference that they're not officially in, but I, they're unofficially in. How the hell does that work? <laughs> Whatever. Um, uh, and they got the Sam Sam Hartman versus Duke factor that we talked about in the last segment. So there's that going. Uh, Duke's won every game by 20 plus points so far this season. Yep. Uh, and the the Elko factor of going against Notre Dame and so forth. So there's he's a lot correct. going on here. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, he's doing an amazing job. And they're just um, changing the mentality, mentality of the program, not just absolutely. winning games. I'm wondering so how much the Hartman a fin- factor matters. went from a finesse team to a power team. I mean, that's amazing totally in sure. a short period of time.
0: I'm wondering how much the Hartman factor matters. Um, NC State kind of dominated him in his career. Um, and then Notre Dame went in there and, and beat them up pretty good. So, wondering if the completely different offense really even impacts anything other than just being
1: kind of familiar with who he is. So, um, I, I totally agree with that. It's a totally it, it's a, as as different of an offense as there could possibly be. Yeah. So they question. got, and plus Notre Dame's so good at running the ball, they literally have like four really good. They have yes, four they running backs that could start for a lot of teams in college football.
0: Uh, Speaking of flat spots, um, Syracuse historically, I I say historically, over the last few years when they've been good, has kind of struggled with Syracuse. Um, Who might be okay? Uh, You know, strength of schedule (laughs) obviously uh, a question. Um, The one concern I would have if I was Clemson outside of being flat after the dream-crushing loss is um, Riley Leonard and Garrett Schrader kind of similar in terms yeah. of what they do in the run game, and Schrader's and been terrific at that. Um, do you think Syracuse is live here this weekend?
1: I do, but I'd like to – if I was going to do anything in this game, it would be an in-game betting situation. Okay. I just don't know how Clemson's going to react. I mean, they're out of the national – they're out of the college yep. football playoff picture. Without question. They've got two, they've got two ACC losses yep. to yep. Duke and also, obviously, Florida State. They still don't have a kicker, which we pointed out before the game last week, and that cost them the game last week that they didn't have one, or at least a you know an established kicker. On the other side, Syracuse in a flat spot. You I mean, they're coming off that big win against Purdue on NBC and all that. Uh, they were trailing Army at halftime last week. They were, yeah. Uh, so that that was a little, and I know it's a flat spot, but. I don't. You know, they were 4-0 and zero last year, and then they got, they got lost to Clemson yep. in this exact same same week last season. So in-game betting, if anything, for me in this yeah. game, but I'm very intrigued to watch this game just to see if uh, Syracuse is better than last year, I and mean, they got off to a great start, and they just completely collapsed.
0: And I know it's next week, um, and I'm sure we'll have time to talk about it, but um, the two teams that Oklahoma's played that has a pulse, um, <laughs> and it's not much of one um right. 28 and 20 points um and their offensive line kind of stinks um mm-hmm. pending texas i mean I, they're going to be motivated um i think they're going to punch them in the mouth as a line of scrimmage do you have any early thoughts on the red
2: river rivalry
1: i didn't even realize it was next week um yeah. you know i'm a i'm a the, virtually the week at a time guy here uh <laughs> but uh um, in many ways, I'm a week at time guy, professionally and personally. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what I think of Oklahoma. I watched that game last week. I will say that, yeah, you know, Brett Venables is, you know, that defense is the best they've done a it's been in the really, Yeah, yeah. In fact, I have a note here. They've allowed 17 or more, or excuse me, excuse me, 17 or less. I'm used to seeing 17 or more for Oklahoma. 17 or less in four straight games for the first time since 2006.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, Cincinnati has some major red zone issues. Um, well, I, and well
1: I, and, you know, Emory Jones is one of the biggest yeah. reason last Saturday. He was terrible in the red zone.
0: Yeah, they got in the red zone like five times or six times against the previous game yeah. against Miami, Ohio, and came away with nine points. So yeah, I, I wonder that how part. much of that is Oklahoma or I wonder how much of that is Cincinnati. I'm uh,
1: right. interested yeah. to
0: find out when Oklahoma finally plays somebody how good they may or may not be.
1: Agreed. Yes. Okay. Appreciate it
0: as always,
1: Good stuff. Always think. Always good talking to you. Thank you very much, Matt. All right, next segment, we'll wrap up the sports zone with a really fast segment, even faster than usual. A little national roundup action. More phone call time for you in the next two hours during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, 602-260-1060. Get to a little of the Major League Baseball scoreboard in the next segment. Uh, and whatever else I can jam into a lightning fast final segment of today's Sports Zone. Also, uh, don't forget, tomorrow in the Sports Zone, we'll preview the Thursday night football game between the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers from Lambeau. Revenge game for the Packers after the end of last season. Needless to say, that game knocked them out, and Aaron Rodgers left town. The loser-leave-town match, and he was the loser, and he left town. Uh, so we'll have more on the, the Lions side of things with Tim 20 Men, who covers the Lions, for DetroitLions.com.
2: We'll do what's
0: best
1: for the team, and we'll do what's best for you.
0: The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and ktus 1060com
2: It's time for today's National Roundup.
1: That final segment, today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM m 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Going to be a fast one here. We'll do a little baseball from last night. Uh, as far as uh, the non-national league, we'll get, to, I'm sure, in the uh, during the extra point to some of the NL wildcard situations. But last night in the American League, George Kirby, uh, the starting pitcher, got out of a big bases-loaded jam. Uh, for the Seattle Mariners against Houston. And, uh, you know, it was in the sixth inning. And uh, he picked, in fact, turned out he uh, pitch six shutout innings. Easy for me to say. Six shutout innings. Slow down, Bob. I know it's a quick segment, but slow down. Uh, Seattle also taking advantage of three Houston errors. Normally the good defensive team that Houston is. Not last night. Uh, and the uh, Mariners snapped a four-game losing streak with a 6-2 victory over the Astros last night. So Seattle's now within a half game of Houston for the final wild-card spot in the American League. Uh, They're still trailing Toronto by two games after the Blue Jays lost at home to the Yankees last night. The Blue Jays have to face Garrett Cole in his final start of the regular season for the Yankees tonight. Also, uh, the Mariners gained a game on Texas uh in the you know if there's a race for the AL West here as the Rangers lost uh, to the Angels last night for the first time that that's the first time that the uh the uh, Rangers had lost in six games meanwhile today it's Framber Valdez uh going uh, for the uh Houston Astros and we've talked about him quite a bit uh he's been up and down this season nowhere near what he was in his I think pretty dominant season last year Uh, He had a quality start record going last year in the 20s, some 23, 24 straight starts of three earned runs or less over six innings. Not this year. It's been a wildly inconsistent season, either dominant, the no-hitter. He had another near-no-hitter. He's had a couple of complete blow-up starts. So add that up, and it's a 3.39 earned run average for Valdez this year. Bryce Miller goes for the uh, Mariners. Uh, Rookie making his final start of the regular season. He's lost his last two decisions, and uh, Seattle's lost the last four games that he has actually started. And part of that is Seattle's offense, which has been up and down, mostly up since July the 1st, but seems like they're down when Bryce Miller starts more times than not. Uh, But uh, all that's factored into his ineffectiveness here towards the end of the season. I mentioned the Rangers. Uh, winning streak ended against Anaheim last night of all teams. Uh, that, uh, but they did not lose Corey Seager. Apparently, long term, uh, the good news for the Rangers. He was hit on a pitch in the forearm, right forearm, in the fifth inning. Uh, he uh, X-rays were negative after the game, and uh, he's uh, considered day to day. And a big deal because Seager actually leads the American League in batting average right now with just a few days left in the regular season. Alright, that is it, it. That's it for the very quick final segment of today's show. Stay tuned next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll get into a lot more things uh, NFL, local, national, etc. in the next two hours and also more phone call time 602-260-1060. This has been The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening.